With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, good morning and uh, welcome to the Football Digest Extra show um, with me, John Cross, and uh, also my colleague, um, Simon Blachowski. Um, uh, good morning to you all. And we're going to analyse now um, a look back upon uh, the game from Stamford Bridge yesterday. Uh, Chelsea won. Manchester City 3 and a hugely interesting game for all sorts of different reasons really um, uh, you know the, the Chelsea defeat what does that mean for Frank Lampard and I must say I, I, I'm, I'm sure Simon you, you'll agree you've seen City more than me but I mean City were, were, were awesome too we shouldn't forget in, in, in the criticism and, and sort of analysation of, uh, of Chelsea and Frank Lampard just how good City were I don't know what you think but I, I feel as if we've not seen City play this well and to such a high level since those back-to-back title-winning seasons. Or am I getting a little bit carried away? No, no, I think you can get carried away with that. Um, I, it's not been a vintage year for City, really. Uh, they've struggled to create good chances. They've struggled to take their chances. Um, and they've really not been good against the top sides for, for probably a year, 18 months now. So I, I don't think many people saw that performance at, at Chelsea coming because they were blistering on the counter and scored some really good goals, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely, they did. You know, uh, uh, and we were asking Guardiola questions afterwards, weren't we? And and one that you know caused him to kind of flounce back in his chair was for me saying, "No, in the title race, I mean that it's a given, isn't it?" But I know it's an unpredictable season, and you know they're missing players, other clubs are missing players, but I just think they're, they're irresistible. They have to be in the title race right now. Yeah, it's been a strange season, really strange. And because there's times when Tottenham looked like they were leading the way, Liverpool, United, Arsenal, Chelsea, they've all had moments where you thought they could really challenge. And then they've had moments where you thought they couldn't. And City haven't really had those moments yet this season. They've been mid-table, struggling for goals, not really doing that. But to go to Chelsea with six players out with COVID, um, and produce that performance it sort of thinks you know there's so much more to come from them and they're four points behind Liverpool and United with a game in hand they've got a very good run of fixtures coming up they have to be in the title race yeah no sure I, I do think that the sort of the, the, the fluency was was really impressive wasn't it and I think they're basically you know that that, that understanding I mean it, you know to start the game without a recognised striker I think we all thought that maybe Sterling would play false nine you know, Kevin De Bruyne, I don't know what about you, but surprised me that it's not, obviously not a new role for him. We, we, we know that. But he, 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 again, De Bruyne, you run out of superlatives to, to say about him. But the way that he encompassed and embraced that role and, 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 and did so well was great, wasn't it? Yeah, he, he's just a phenomenal player. And, you know, the assist for Foden for the, the second and just the way he gets and, and dominates the the ball and the game whenever he gets a chance. But, you know, the, the defence as well, they weren't really troubled by Chelsea for, for most of the game. I mean, you all have sort of watched John Stones a lot 
throughout his career and for England as well. But he, he certainly looks in kind of a, a really good moment. Mm. Is, is that the thing that struck me about that song was that basically John Stones, I really like John Stones. I think he's a really good player, you know, because he's obviously so good on the ball. There was a couple of times, you know, in this strange new world that we live in, you sort of kind of, you know, at Chelsea, you spread right across one stand. And I was right at the front of of of, of, of the stand and you sort of very up close um, to the pitch. And the, in that, what had been first half, you know, when, when City were, were attacking from that side, Stones was over our side. And I, I, honestly, when Chelsea were trying to press early on and put him under pressure, he just looked so comfortable and so composed, so elegant with the with the ball at his feet. And the other thing that really struck me was that sort of in, in his resurgence was that, you know, they've signed a, how can I put it? It's almost like the, the, the polar opposite of, of Stones in a real no-nonsense strong defender you know lazily yeah. we'd probably put a sort of like you know pigeonholes typical English defender uh, and yet there's Ruben Diaz you know basically heading it kicking it thumping it into Rose which he literally did once didn't he um, yeah you, you know and I don't know maybe it strikes as it's sort of kind of it's the perfect antidote for, for Stones because you know if if it, Laporte obviously has had injury issues lately but it makes you suddenly think, could Diaz and Stones be the first choice, you know, uh, partnership moving forward? Yeah, I mean, Diaz is is kind of that company figure that City have been missing, whereby, you know, he does that no-nonsense defending, but he just inspires confidence from everyone around him. And uh, it's pretty much a year since, like, um, City got Port Vale in the FA Cup and the Port Vale striker said, oh, I want to play against John Stones because I can score every week against him. And, and then he played and he did score. And it felt like every time someone came up against Stones, they'd they'd get the better of him. Whereas this season, he's just been the complete opposite. And, and like you say, sort of nothing phases him. And he's having to defend less almost because people aren't even trying it against him anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I just love there was one bit of cushion control which, you know, he turned direction and then basically was able to bring the ball out and then, you know, casually, you know, look up and then basically find a perfect pass. And I thought that's the stones that we, you know, that was really good, um, you know, and, and, you know, was a fixture for England and, and for City, you know, and I thought that, that that was great. And I think it just allows City to build, doesn't it? That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, City are much better for having a, a strong Stones in the team. But also, I mean, looking ahead to the Euros, like um, maybe September, October, things didn't look too too great for England at centre-back. But um, Harry Maguire seems to be over his kind of iffy bit of form. Stones looks much better than he has done at any point over the last two years. So that's kind of encouraging looking ahead to the summer as well. Yeah, do, do you know what? A few weeks ago, people were sort of questioning Raheem Sterling, weren't they? And saying basically, it's not not in great form. The stats, you know, you, you know and stuff. But I mean, blimey, he played well yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'd be the first to admit he's not had a brilliant year, a brilliant season, and uh, he's not scored the goals that he wants. But he sets himself such high standards, and and also he's played so much football. Like mm. he's never injured, so he plays three times a week, every week. Um, and that can take its toll. And, and he did look a bit jaded at times. But I think you saw at Chelsea that, um, you know, is that explosive running and making things happen. Um, and even when, you know, the third goal, he looked to have sort of missed the chance and then found a way to bring it back. Um, Sterling just creates goals and, and makes things happen, doesn't he? 
Yeah, it does. Yeah, Rodri. I think we're seeing maybe the the best of Rodri. You know, because it was not. I, I don't know. It, it seems to, you know, taken a while, doesn't it, for for him to settle down? And and we we're thinking, is he a good signing? Is he, you know, is he a bit of a, you know, sort of a uh, another one that's not quite fitted in? But actually, I think he, you know, he he was he was good. You know, and I think that's a good run of form, isn't it, for him? Yeah, he, he gets a lot of stick for not being Fernandinho and mm. uh, Fernandinho kind of went unnoticed for a long while and then the, the thing you began to notice about him was him sort of shutting down counter-attacks counter um, either sort of fairly or by foul. So Rodri doesn't do that, um, but he's a he's a better passer. Um, I think he's, some, he's, he's very slow and he can get caught out, but City are almost better when he nearly gets caught out. He plays sort of right on the edge and I think City are better and quicker when he is almost um, getting caught out because it means he can then sort of beat a man and, and play the ball forward. So it, it was just the first time, really, first or second time this season that City have really clicked as a whole. Um, and I know Chelsea kind of made it easy for them, um, but it was a really convincing performance sort of by the whole team, I think, yesterday. Mm. Can, can they win the title this this, this season? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they should be be looking to win this title. I think you know last season Liverpool was so good um, that City dropped off and couldn't get anywhere near them. Whereas this season, I don't think there's any team that is kind of at the levels of of City or Liverpool over the last three years. So it is right up there for for any team to take advantage and and go ahead and win it. Yeah, it's a really interesting type race this this season, isn't it? You know, I do think it's it's there. Maybe that's yeah, in itself giving uh, City that that room for encouragement. I don't know whether the strikers. If I was looking at pitfalls for City, is the strikers that the, the the biggest concern for Guardiola? Yeah, I think so. Um, they've not been able to play Aguero for basically the whole season. Um, Gabriel Jesus, I think he went 10 hours on the pitch without scoring, which is not what you want from any number nine. Um, they, they have struggled for goals. Again, Sunday was one of the first times really where the midfield have got forward and scored the goals. And um, and they've had Ferran Torres filling in. He's now self-isolating as well. Um, I'm not sure whether they're going to be able to rely on Sergio Aguero for for the season basically because of his, his fitness struggles. So that, I mean, they, they definitely want a striker in summer. They want a priority marquee player to come in and be the sort of Aguero successor. Um, whether it's worth bringing that forward six months to January, whether, the, uh, whether they can bring it forward to January, you know, you'll know these type of players don't really move in January transfer windows. So it's looking like they're going to have to, to play on without such a signing. Yeah, it's it's always a, a you know battle, isn't it, to do decent business in January? And if you look at City's history, they've tended not to do that. Obviously, Laporte may be an exception, but it's it generally they've not they've not immersed themselves in that market, have they? I don't think. No, I think all clubs kind of want to do their business in summer, and then they make sure that that fills them in for the season. And they kind of see January as um, a bit panic buying, as in something's gone wrong and. <laughs> The selling club will know if you if someone's in the market in January that they can they can add a few more million on and and things like that. So all these complications come into place. They try not to to deal in January and and I think you know it like they've shown that at Chelsea. I, I think given they've done that without a full squad when they do get 
all the players back, they uh, they should be be able to to come through that. Do you think it's the end of the road for Aguero at the end of the season? Um, it is looking is looking difficult for him to carry on with his fitness issues at the minute. Um, it, it's always difficult. The older you get to recover from such injuries, and Aguero doesn't recover very quickly from these things. Um, I think in these next few months, he's really going to have to show that he can still operate at the highest level to earn a new contract because he is out of summer, out of contract mm-hmm. in summer. Um, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what City do because, you know, Lionel Messi could be available on a free in the summer. They've got the funds <laughs> to go for him. Um, still feels know. weird to say that, doesn't it? That sentence, <laughs> Lionel Messi yeah. could be available on a free. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, M- Messi, Messi and Aguero sounds like quite the dream ticket in attack. Doesn't it just? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It's amazing, um, so, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the, the prospect of him him coming to the Premier League would just be sensational. But you know, whether whether Messi coming would maybe help Aguero's chances of staying um and kind of encourage him uh, that bit further. But it, it's definitely up in the air as we sort of go into the second half of the season. Do, do you think they've obviously they've got Messi, you know, on, on, on in their sights, haven't they? And kind of with it, even whether they get him or not, but it's. Do you think it, 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 they've got a, a number nine, a more classic centre forward in in their sights as well? Um, is, is that your impression? Yeah, uh, um, Erling Haaland has kind of impressed a lot of people uh, mm. with his performances, and and he sort of very much looks to be in that Aguero mould of sort of typical classic number nine, but just relentless goal scoring record. Um, and I mean, Guardiola is a huge fan of Kylian Mbappe as well. He looks kind of more difficult to get hold of. Um, yeah. But, you know, City are aiming right at the very top. Um, and then they've, they've still got faith in, in Gabriel Jesus, obviously, as sort of that, that number nine that Guardiola really loves for his, his high pressing. So I think that they're definitely in the market for someone in that Aguero mould. Mm, yeah, it could be an interesting few months, and really for City, you know, if, if they're back, sort of making that, that that sort of statement of intent. Now, listen, you know, another story out of City, you know, this weekend was was obviously the controversy over Benjamin Mendy, um, you, you, you know, who obviously broke COVID rules and has apologised for doing so. City, you know, have issued a, a statement. I, I, I offering some some recourse, but also you know obviously you know making it clear they didn't approve of of of, of the regulation breach. But then it was really interesting to listen to Pep Guardiola post match, wasn't it? To to kind of you know hear him do what a lot of managers do, which is defend their players. Um, so I guess we shouldn't overlook that fact that the natural instinct is that is there, isn't it, to defend a player? But were you surprised that basically he? He measured that with saying, well, actually, he was only doing what a lot of other people up and down the country were doing and footballers shouldn't be judged differently. Yeah, essentially. Um, I We don't know what Guardiola said to Mendy um, privately, but given that he spent the last week talking about how this is a non-partisan issue and it's a really serious issue, everyone needs to be aware of how serious it is to then kind of just dismiss Mendy's um, indiscretions as everyone does it or lots of people have done it and he got a negative test. So so it's fine. It did feel very jarring um, and I I don't really think... um, 
Mendy's kind of behaviour can be brushed away like that and, you know, just because he's, he's a good guy um, or anything like that, it doesn't mean that he shouldn't necessarily be be punished for for what he's done and City are obviously investigating, but it, it felt like, you know, there was a discussion to be had to at least think about whether he should be included for, for selection um, against Chelsea. I don't, I don't know what you thought about the, the press conference. Well, I, I, I must say, you know, I, I, I'm always loath to kind of, you know, sort of, uh, you know, criticise a manager who comes out and gives it, gives an opinion because you can dodge the issue, can't you? You know, so, yeah. um, uh, you know, that the natural, the journalist, journalist in me always thinks about that as well. But I was just ever so surprised, if I'm honest, simply because I, I just think that we are a crisis point for the country you know so many people getting the getting the virus and so many people dying from the virus on a daily basis pep guardiola has been you know personally affected hasn't he he's had a really you know he's had a terrible bereavement close to close to him you know family members so and and i just think that guardiola is such a respected voice within football such a respected voice that basically when he talks people sit up and listen and uh, and that's the point, really. I think that basically football it is an interesting point at the moment where where they've got special dispensation from the government to carry on uh, 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 amongst the elite sport. And football, you know, does, I like to think, you know, provide a bit of, you know, comfort for the nation at a very, very difficult time. Um, but the Premier League doesn't want to get involved. They've set the protocols. The, the FA won't get involved. And I just think if if football continues to flout it in this way, if football has continued to do it, then, I, I, you know, I think the government should turn around and say, well, sorry, but if you're not respecting our our pleas and your own protocols, then we'll have to stop. And I think that would be the right thing to do. And that that element is the thing that gets me about, you know, because I think a lot of football fans up and down the country look to, to managers, look to players to set an example. They, 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 they don't listen to politicians. They, they listen to, you know, what football is telling them. And at the moment, yeah. football is telling them that it's okay to go and break rules. It's not, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think what felt disappointing was that Guardiola seemed to be sort of contradicting his own advice because he has throughout this been saying, you know, everything needs to be taken seriously. Listen to the scientists, listen to what people are telling you you to do. So to um, to then, you know, I know defend his own player, but to appear to sort of make out that it wasn't as as serious as it was like you say because so much resource from a lot of people has gone into making sure that the Premier League can go ahead so Mendy's actions didn't threaten it because everyone tested negative but that's not really the point because they could have done yeah absolutely absolutely and and the thing is also Simon is that basically you know I'm sure you sort of at Guardiola's press conference Friday um, you know, or, or you know, or what he said, and and that basically, I I just thought that was so powerful. You know what he said; he was strong. He said everything right, and and basically, you know, I I personally think that Man City, some of the stick that they've had, and Guardiola in particular, about that Everton cancellation has been has been completely over the top because you worry first and foremost about players and players' welfare and safety. I didn't like the last minute nature. Of, of the postponement, nor did I like that element about you know Tottenham Fulham, but I just think that you know that that, that I think looks amateur, you know uh, I must say and doesn't yeah. reflect well about uh, well on the league. 
But for City then to get the kickback as they have done, I think was was grossly unfair. Having said that, I just think that basically, you know, now what Guardiola says post-match allows people to kind of, you know, look back and say, well, actually, were we right to support him after all? You know, it's just... I, I, you know, surely I like to think that the manager basically perhaps has been stronger in what he said, um, it, you know, to Mendy privately. And and uh, as you rightly touched upon, that's often can be a different story, can't it? I think. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you would just like to to think that that's the case because, like you say, he was so strong on Friday, and and he was right. This is about health of players, but you're you're in. You can only really be in the position to say that those things if your own house is in order, and um, you know if you seem to be letting Mendy off because he's a nice guy and because he can shout from the sidelines, then uh, it, it sort of dilutes the strength of what you were saying um, earlier in the week. So, yeah, it's we wait and see how the club decide to um, to go ahead with their investigation and what what happens to Mendy but um, it, it was just another it's been an unfortunate week hasn't it with the Tottenham players and quite a few players uh, the breaking protocols over over Christmas and New Year yeah, it, it does it does feel like that and yeah, as you rightly say it was it was a strange thing actually yeah, yesterday to see Mendy on the sidelines shouting <laughs> the encouragement and he's clearly a very popular player amongst his his, his teammates isn't he you know so he, he is a real character and and listen you know clubs have have got this strange bubble system where basically once they select the squad it's difficult to take in and out you know, so basically, you know, for first team games and for travel and, and everything that goes with it. And so Mendy was, you know, part of a bench that was already understaffed, had one player short. And so I guess, it, you know, it is a dilemma to take him out. But I, I do think personally that's what they should have done. So I mean, what did you make also then of, of Chelsea, you know, because there's been so much, you know, written and said subsequently about, about Frank Lampard and his future. And do, do you feel as if from what you saw yesterday, we're, we're at that, at that point where a manager's future should be examined? Yeah, I thought Chelsea were were very poor. Um, I think, like I said, it's been a strange season and a few weeks ago we were all talking about how good Chelsea were and they obviously did very well last season. I thought it was interesting um, in the press conference afterwards, Frank Lampard talking about the di- difference between Chelsea and Liverpool and City, almost trying to frame it as well. We're not at Liverpool and City's level. I, I kind of feel like if Chelsea were third behind Liverpool and City, that wouldn't be an issue. But it's the fact that they're being caught by all these other teams and, um, you know, the race for the top four looks really, really complicated this year that that they seem to be in more of a, more of a problem. I mean, I mean do, do you feel like they've regressed since last season? I, I, I must say, I'm in the in the in the probably in the Frank Lampard fan club a little bit. <laughs> in the in the basic, I just think that he, you know, last season it was in the mixer, wasn't it? Until the last say four or five games, whether they'd get in. And I remember the sort of them going into it, going into a period where they think, oh, they can't lose that one, <laughs> otherwise they won't finish, you know, top four. And then basically it feels, you know, it felt to me as if there was a big achievement, bearing in mind they had a summer transfer ban. Um, they ended up yeah. really not doing anything, you know, in in, in January as such for that season. Um, 
and and under those circumstances, he blooded a lot of kids. The energy was good. The, the vibe was good. It felt like a you know refreshing new dawn for Chelsea, and they got them in the top four. They lost the FA Cup final. But I, I still think that that was a really impressive and big achievement from Lampard. But people were saying that they would finish mid-table. They yeah. really were. And, uh, you know, it would be a struggle for Chelsea. And to get in the top four was something else. I thought it was a big achievement. And we're not even at the halfway point of of the following season. And I think that that's why I think that basically the judgment calls that are being made now are grossly unfair and too early. Um, bearing in mind that you, you put three wins together and Chelsea would would all of a sudden be knocking on the door for top spot, let alone top four. And and, and that's the issue, really, for me, um, that no one can get any consistency. And and I think Chelsea is still a work in progress. I think where the issue for, you know comes up is that they spent 200 million in the summer. Yeah. It was a huge, huge investment in players. You know, Lampard did try, as you rightly say, Simon, basically trying to frame them that they're work in progress and they've still got time. And, you know, City and Liverpool were given time. But he did sign Timo Werner for 50-odd million. And so Timo Werner is, is a well-established German international who played in the Champions League for Red Bull Leipzig and a very, very good player. Um, you know, Thiago Silva is, 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 you know, also an experienced head. I think where, the, you know, perhaps we're, we're seeing things you know, a little bit differently is 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 Kai Havertz. You know, what's going on with him? Is he, you know, is he, you know, going to fit in that style? Is Lampard getting the best out of him? And I just think at the moment we haven't got a position to put him in for Chelsea, which I think sometimes is the system or English football. And I, I personally think that, you know, Lampard deserves time and a bit of patience. And I'm surprised, I don't know what you think about this, is that basically that 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 club legend status, that how quickly that disappears. Lampard arrives saying it will last five minutes and was realistic about <laughs> it. Well, it, it feels like it's going already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it should buy him more time, that, because he does get the club um, and I think it does help you to be in that position. I think you're absolutely right. Like the transfer window has not helped him at all because he got credit last year for doing so well with the transfer ban. And then you go out and you spend so much money and it looked like Werner was starting to click and then he's gone off the boil. Havertz started quite well and then he's disappeared as well. Um, like you say, Thiago Silva, uh, Mendy, they had the issue with with Kepper earlier in the season, and it, it doesn't feel like all the much of their transfer business has paid off. Um, and you you're always under pressure when when that happens. I mean, to me, they just look so flat and without a reaction when City scored the first goal and the second goal, and they you know they didn't deserve anything from the game. But I mean, like I say, Chelsea now look like what Arsenal looked like three weeks ago. And you thought they're completely out of ideas. The coach can't can't get his instructions through to the players. Where do they go from here? And Arsenal have picked up and they're now three points behind Chelsea, I think. So, you know, Lampard wants time. I you would like to think that he will he will get more time to to keep on what he's what he's doing. Do the, the Chelsea sort of hierarchy seem fairly content with him? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, I don't think he's in, in, in immediate danger, but e- equally, I don't, you know, we all know what Chelsea is like. And I think that basically, you, you know, that, that that's the thing, isn't it? That that legendary status doesn't even buy you credit 
at a, a, a club like Chelsea, and I think that's it's a hard one to take. So I don't, you know, I, I I don't think they'll allow them to drift. Basically, I think that if they can see that we're definitely not going to make the top four, and if we make a change, and it might get as a top four place, while top grade coaches are available, experienced coaches are available. I think that's that's the scenario that would worry me if I if I'm Frank Lampard right now, but. But I, I personally, I think that he, you know, I think they should see it as going in a different direction. We've had so much of, of boom and bust at Chelsea in the yeah. basic change the manager. I'll kind of, you know, go for a world-class manager experience head. I, I just think that basically we've had enough of it, basically. It has brought Chelsea great success. You know, please don't get me wrong. I mean, it's brought them trophy after trophy after trophy season and year after year. But I, I just think if you're going to go down that a slightly different route with with as they did do with Lampard, then I I, I personally think that basically they, they need to they need to stick with that and stick with that kind of philosophy really, um, you know, because I, I I you know they were well beaten weren't they really? I mean that was a really poor first half wasn't it? I think to be honest. Yeah, they, they were well beaten, but there have been some good young English players brought through at Chelsea and. Mm. The, the point for Chelsea for many years was they had the best academy in the country and yeah. it never really saw its way to the first team. And it has to be a good thing if these young English players are getting a chance in the first team and and showing what, what they can do. And I, I guess if you get rid of Lampard, does that go again? Mm. Yeah, know, it's does, a different... Does the next manager that come in have, have that same will or ambition or even sort of need to to keep developing those players. So yeah, I mean, it, it's a results business and Lampard needs to get, get results. But I I do like what he's tried to do in the job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I must say, I think that third goal said everything about the game, didn't it really? Basically it was, yeah. there was a comedy moment, I think in the Champions League when, when, when Man United were in, were in Istanbul, <laughs> weren't they? And basically there was that breakaway goal, which embarrassed them. And it wasn't yeah. far off it, really. Basically, it was it was like a sort of a cartoon sketch from Roadrunner with Dean <laughs> Sterling sort of bursting away from N'Golo Kante, and then, and then that sort of burst. But I tell you, on a more serious point, it does tell you that the sort of kind of city, you know, full of pace and movement and ideas, and they're breaking away. Whereas whereas Chelsea, their structure of the team must be wrong. That basically, if you know, to, to coin a very modern, uh, up-to-date phrase, uh, 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 you know, if you're going to get caught in transition like that, it, 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 you know, it's a bad look, isn't it? That basically that your team setup must be wrong, I think. And that's the worry for, for Lampard, for me, that if you're going to get done like that on a goal from your own free kick on the edge of the opposition box. Is that what's gone wrong with Chelsea, do you think, in the last few weeks and months? Because, you know, when Thiago Silva came in, there was a lot of praise from early doors. Mendy seemed to make a big difference to the defence, but it kind of seems to have fallen apart a bit. Yeah, I think Mendy did really well. And I think, you know, Mendy now has, has not kept a clean sheet in his, you know, in five of his last six games. You know, Chilwell has been really good going forward and, you know, he had a torrid time against Sterling. And then basically, you know, I do think they miss Reese James. Reese James is much more aggressive and, you know, good at, you know, attack is the best form of defence with him. And I think Zuma and Thiago have actually been a good partnership. But actually, I think maybe if you, 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 you know, you're taking away that kind of, you know, 
protection, you know, and some, you know, the, the sort of missing their, the, you know, one of the fullbacks, and that that perhaps leaves them on edge. I think he's still looking for the best midfield combo. I think the best midfield combo defensively would be Jorginho Kante um, and um, uh, Kovacic, you know, but then basically sometimes, you know, sometimes that can leave you a little bit flat and lacking creativity. So you put Mount in there and then all of a sudden you've got a bit of an issue that it's, you know, you haven't got as much protection for the, for the defence if you're taking one of those players out to get Mount in. So maybe you have to go back to kind of a, you know, a more conservative three and play Mount, you know, further forward. Um, and then also you just, you've got to sort out the kind of the Werner dilemma in the basic Werner, you know, he, he isn't very happy or, or kind of is, is short of confidence playing wide. Well, you just got to, you know, somehow get Giroud or, or Abraham in because that, that's going to get your goals and carry more of a threat. Um, so, I, you know, I do think it's it's about that structure, I think, at the moment. So I think he's got to use the next, you know, week or so Lampard to really kind of find that structure and get back to back to that basics, really. But, um, you know, let, let's see. Interesting yeah. times. So. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Anyway, Simon, thanks so much. I really appreciate you joining. It's good to see you. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in and watching. Much appreciated. Thanks for joining us on the Football Digest Extra. 